Hey, Hungo family. Welcome to season four of the Hunga podcast. You know me. I'm your host, Eric Cole. So I am going to do my best that this season I'll be consistent with dropping content and new episodes. And the goal is to drop a new episode every week on Monday. God willing. (laughs) So to keep up with those new episodes, make sure you subscribe and turn on your notifications. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you are an Apple Podcast subscriber, please make sure you leave a review after you listen to the show. You can also find me, the show, and a lot of dope content on social media. Check out Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the show at HungUpPod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. You can also search the show's hashtag. That's hashtag HungUpPodcast. And whenever y'all listening to the show or you're sharing it to your story or with your friends on social media, tag me or hashtag me. I would love to see the conversations that are going on online about the conversations that we are having, especially this season. And just to give you an idea of what you can look forward to is really just content that's for us and by us. Very much still on brand with what Hunga Podcast has always represented and stood for in the past. Having those conversations and centering the conversations around culture and society from a black queer perspective. But the guests that I bring on this season and the conversations that I'm having this season, I want I want to go a little deeper. I want to dive into conversations around dating, around sex, around breaking stigmas and stories of survival. I have in the conversation around HIV and AIDS and what are the resources that we have or that we don't have and that we need in our community. I'm going to be bringing on guests to help me show black men and black queer men in the many different ways that we show up in society in our communities and in our families celebrating black women and black boys and girls and having conversations around how we can better support and protect them a little bit of education a little bit of politics and a little bit of some ratchet nonsense because y'all know how i do that's what you can look forward to from the hunger podcast this season so i'm letting y'all know now i need your support and Feel free to interact with the show. I would love to hear from y'all. And I do. Some of y'all do DM me. Some of y'all tag me. Hashtag the show and different topics and things that you feel are the things that you are hung up on. Speaking of being hung up, make sure y'all stick around. This week's hung ups are MJ Rodriguez, Angela Bassett, and Bianca from Detroit. So you don't want to miss it. All right, let's get into this week's interview. Bobby Therese is a YouTube digital horror content creator. Bobby is a native Philadelphian and at an early age found his passion in the horror movie genre. This was something that he stumbled upon and he didn't find many people that looked like him, meaning black folks, that shared that same interest. So... Bobby created his own space to explore horror and also to create video content, and he's using YouTube to do just that. By creating his platform, he came across many other black creators and black people who are also interested in the horror movie genre. 
Bobby uses his black queer ass voice to let people know that there are black people out here who do love horror and have a passion for it. It ain't all white. Before we get into the conversation, here's one of his YouTube movie reviews. In this one, he's reviewing the top five LGBTQ plus horror movies. Number four is The Babadook. Now guys, we all know this movie is not a gay film, but you cannot forget when Netflix made a mistake and put the Babadook movie in the LGBTQ category on their lineup. Ever since that happened, the Babadook is labeled as a gay film and a gay iconic monster. They even have a Blu-ray copy of this movie that has the pride colors on it and it has the Babadook right in the middle of it. So this movie is pretty much labeled as a gay movie now, even though nothing gay happens in this movie. But I mean, it's kind of labeled that now, so we're just gonna have to go along with it. And if you look at the monster, you know, he kind of have like, he doesn't have a backstory, but some of the things that happen in this movie is kind of, relatable into the gay community in some weird way but you understand what i'm talking about when you watch the film and if you guys haven't seen the babadook before it came out in 2014 and it's about a single mom and a young son going through hard times ever since you know they lost the father and she lost her husband this film is also a horror film because of the amount of depression the trauma the frustration everything that happens in this movie let along you know a single mom handling a fucking annoying kid took a lot for me to actually get through this movie because that kid was so fucking annoying but he redeemed himself at the end of the film but when a mom finds the book of the babadook and start reading this fairy tale to her young kid that's when the babadook is unleashed and it starts tormenting the kid and his mother and making them go absolutely crazy so it's been talked that if the babadook is real or is it just a psychological thing between the mother and the son there's a lot that goes into this film and i highly recommend that you guys check this movie out so yeah, that's why the Babadook comes in at number four. I'm so excited to have digital horror content creator Bobby Therese here. Bobby, welcome to the Hunger Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to talk with you. Like, I'm a fan of your show, so I'm excited. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me again. Bobby, I'm a fan. I'm a fan <laughs> of you, everything that you do, and I'm just excited to have you here to talk about all things horror, all things black horror. And I and I also just want to thank you for being here because you were really helping me kick off the fourth season of the Hunger Podcast. And it just really means a lot to me. Thank you. No, of course. I am honored to help you kick off your new season of hung up podcast and i'm also nervous because like i stated before we got on i'm just like okay i'm your first guest so hopefully everybody that's listening don't hate me but yeah <laughs> thank you for having me <laughs> no it's all love over here it's all love over here and and i hope that you all enjoy getting to know bobby as i have been enjoying getting to know bobby like you really are a cool dope individual and when it comes to black voices and horror you are the guy um you're creating a lot of content and you're out here representing for a lot of other creators um you know white and black but um I, I i do like to to acknowledge you as a black voice in horror because it's just something that i feel like a lot of us don't go for but some of us do i feel like you either really love horror or you you hate it or you're really just like 
curious about it, <laughs> right. um, which is, I feel like the category that I fit into. I introduced you as a, I introduced you as a digital horror content creator, but please introduce yourself, Bobby, and also let us know where our listeners can find you. Well, my name is Bobby Torres, everybody, <laughs> honestly. Um, I am a horror content creator on YouTube. I review horror movies. I do uh, fun theme ratings. I do trailer reactions. Uh, I collab with other create horror creators. Uh, I, I, I just like to have a good time on my channel um, and just communicate and collab with a whole bunch of different people that's like me as far as doing uh horror content and things like that just because again i think that's why i'm here because a lot of people don't really talk about it as often um especially as a black queer person so uh i, I i'm doing youtube's mostly for that reason just because i didn't see too many people out there that look like me and yeah so you can find me on those platforms you also can find me on twitter and instagram at bobby torres with a z not an s and Bobby likes to spook you on Instagram as well. And I'll be sure to add your content, your contact information in the episode notes. So everyone be sure to follow and support Bobby. And again, thank you for being here. No, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> this young black kid growing up in Olney, Philadelphia, do you remember the first time you saw yourself, meaning who you were, who you represented, how you felt inside and out? Do you remember when was the first time you saw yourself reflected back to you? Um, as far as horror or just in general and entertainment? Hmm. I'll say let's let's go with. If you can answer both in yeah. general, just like as a person, like who you were, who you are, yeah, um, but also as a creative, a, a horror content creative. Okay, I mean, as a kid growing up, I did watch a lot of TV and a lot of movies. Um, that's what kind of led me to doing what I'm also doing right now. Um, I'm just big into entertainment and things like that. Um, so I see myself as far as just other black kids. I see myself in a lot of movies that I watch because I watch uh, outside of horror. I did watch a lot of children programming. Uh, so I watch like things on maybe like ABC, Fox and stuff. So uh, I will watch movies like The Sandlot where you have a group of kids playing baseball. You got the one black kid there. Uh, and maybe you might occasionally find the Mary Kate and Ashley show or <laughs> yeah, people's life will have Mary Kate and Ashley, but they were big in the nineties and they were everywhere and they had a lot of movies and TV shows and they would occasionally sometimes have a black friend. And I watched a lot of Disney channel where you have like black kids there. So I see myself in a lot of the TV shows that I watch regularly. Um, but as far as horror, I did a episode recently on my channel. I'm talking about queer representation in horror and even as a black kid i mentioned i didn't really see myself in a lot of horror movies especially as a kid because i mean first of all there's a horror movie i shouldn't be really watching this stuff at the age i was so you probably didn't really see too many black kids um there were black men and black women but as far as children you didn't really see too many so I, it was hard but i think the first time i actually seen myself represented in a black horror film was 
the people under under the stairs, uh, which was the main uh, protagonist. His name was Fool, who's played by Brandon Adams, which is funny because I mentioned Sandlot and he was in that movie as well. So he was the main character in the people under the stairs. And I see myself as something because kid, I was a kid, black kid, black kid. Um, at that time, I really didn't know about my sexuality as far as being queer um, until much later, but I did know that I was interested in both sexes. And so I didn't really like dig deep into that until I got a little bit older. So as far as that, yeah, people are under the stairs. And then we have, uh, there's a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, where there's a black kid named Reggie the Reckless. <laughs> and he actually survived this this Jason film, which is rare because in horror films, the black person, you know, they rarely survive, you know. They, <laughs> I don't always say... This is a trope where people always say the black person dies first, where that's not necessarily true. It does happen, but it doesn't always happen. The black person dies, but they don't always die first. <laughs> and with Reggie, I see myself in him because he came close to death so many times, but he survived at the end of the film, um, by the end of the, by the time the end of the film. And it was great. I was just like, I see myself in this kid. I think all the actions that he done in that movie, I would have done as well. Uh, and I feel like his reactions in that movie, a lot of black kids would actually react to. Like, you know, if you see a killer busting through a door, you're not going to stand there and watch the whole thing happen. What are you going to do? You're going to run. If you're running with another person and somebody falls, what does black people do? We keep running. <laughs> we don't stop. Okay. And that's what that character did. Mm. And I feel like I would do the same thing. So um, I related to that character a lot. And um, and remind me, was Reggie black or white? He was black. He was a black kid, a dark skinned black kid that wore a red, uh, sweater, hoodie, mm-hmm. thing, sweat like a sweat outfit. He's iconic. I will send you a picture later. <laughs> I love how you pointed that out because you know I do, as far as representation and horror goes. Growing up, I do remember. You know, I was a Goosebumps kid. I mm-hmm. read the books and I watched the show yes. uh, as an example. And I always remember seeing white kids in horror, but I don't remember seeing so many black kids yeah. in horror growing up. You're right. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned Goosebumps because I'm surprised I haven't said that. I was also a big fan of Goosebumps. I had Goosebumps fan clubs because I had the book. So we would actually like read. I would get my friends together. We would read our books. I was a super fan of the show that come on Saturday mornings on Fox. Yes. And, I look yes. forward to every Saturday morning. That was just, <laughs> I really yes. look forward. Same. And you're right. You didn't, they, they did have, uh, you know, the black kid on there, but it wasn't like they were always the main character on here or they would be like the side character or just the friend the or friend. the best friend. Yeah. Right. It was very rare that you see like a black main character in Goosebumps or any horror TV show. But that is, I'm happy you said that. That was definitely one of my stepping stones as a kid as well. Um, and it's also a good gateway horror, if you know what that means. Like gateway horror is just like if you have kids or you're trying to introduce somebody into horror is something light, but not so scary, but it's still scary, but it keeps it very minimal. So it's not gory. It's not graphic. Uh, it might be a little cheesy, but it's very subtle. <laughs> um, and I think for kids, that's a good gateway horror to introduce them. So as they get older, they, they are kind of used to what they see on screen. It's just a little, a little bit more violent. 
So, <laughs> yeah. Especially depending on the genre of horror, right? Oh, and, yes. and we'll talk more about that in in a moment here. So we got we went from this little boy growing up in Olney, Philadelphia to the horror video content creator that you are today. And I think it's just really interesting, like your journey. I really do. When we first met and we talked about uh, the possibility of doing an episode, I remember you saying that you were obsessed with horror, that you, and, and that was the way you described it, and that you you love it so much that you really want to celebrate it and you want to share it with others. And out of that passion and out of that desire, you know, came your YouTube channel where you created this platform where you can share your passion for horror, but also create a space where you can meet other Black people who were into horror. The thing about it is, though, Bobby, your audience is very mixed. You know, you you want people to see that there are Black people who are into horror, um, but your platform really speaks to all things horror, not just Black horror, right? Yes. It does. Part of the reason why I was doing this because, you know, like you mentioned, I am obsessed with horror and I been a fan, obviously, since I was a kid. And every time I go on YouTube or just see any type of reviews or anything, it was just always like your, you know, your older white guy talking about your favorite horror movie. And I've never really seen anybody like me, a black man. Uh, a queer black man talking about horror on YouTube. And if they are there, it's super hard for you to find them just because the algorithm and YouTube is just, is all over the place. And I guess there's so many of these, you know, you know, you know, white people doing this type of thing where I feel like it's kind of outshining people of color talking about this genre and subject. And I say, you know what, like I, I really don't know too many people like me and I'm just going to start it. It's something that I wanted to do for a while. Originally, I just wanted to talk about all movies. Oh, I tried, I did start my YouTube channel actually like 10 years ago and I reviewed like maybe two movies and then I just stopped and it was a long pause just because I didn't know the concept of how I wanted to do things. I wasn't too sure. I was just very hard on myself as far as my first time reviewing. So I took that long, well, all them years to actually just, get myself together because it was also something that I wasn't sure I wanted to do and then maybe two years ago when I started I brought the channel back I just said you know what I'm just going to go into this full throttle I'm just going to talk all hard I don't see too many people that's like me that's doing this and I don't care how many people watch I just want to do this because I love it and I just want people to connect with me um, and I want to see people like me watching this and say hey like I can do this too because I'm sure it's going to lead into our conversation a little bit but it's a lot of people don't talk about horror and if you do again it you know it's just kind of like I don't know it just seemed like a taboo thing I don't know why it's very weird and I talk about it like it's a damn football game like you go (laughs) to the damn bar and people like yo them eagles and blah 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 and I'm like that with horror. And sometimes people be like, yo, why are you talking about this? Like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, all right, you don't get me. You don't understand. I grew up in the church and horror movies was just one of those things. Like you weren't allowed to watch. 
It had demons in it. Mama wasn't allowing that in her house because she didn't want no demons in her house. <laughs> she didn't want no spirits coming through the television and coming into the house. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I think black folk can be very superstitious when it yeah. comes to horror and when it comes to movies like this. And I think the root of it, a lot of it comes from religion because let's mm -hmm. be honest, you know, a, a lot of the black community is rooted in the church and in religion. Okay. And so I feel like, you know, it, it, I agree with you. It is very taboo in a sense because folks like Jordan Pill have really opened up the door on a mainstream level. Um, you know, folks like Jordan Pill have opened up the door to show that, no, we in, we into this too. But mm -hmm. the reason why I have you here is to show that even before Jordan Pill, we had plenty of black folks that were into horror Yes. and have created a platform to to talk about it. So I think that's really dope. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that too, because yes, like we are all grateful for Jordan Peele for creating movies like Get Out and Us. And those movies, can, they're very controversial, but they're also uh, very inspiring. It, it makes other people want to... Kind of like how I said with the whole YouTube thing, like I'm starting to see more people doing this now. Um, not because obviously me, I'm not tooting myself on whore. It's just that because I'm doing this and I'm finding more people because they see me and they're just like, oh, I'm doing this too. Check out my content. And then it leads, it's like this effect where you find other people. And I met so many awesome, cool black horror creators that's been doing this, that have been doing this longer than me. And it's that I couldn't find them because I'm surrounded by other content creators that didn't look nothing like me. And it's just, it's crazy. So now we're like putting each other on, we're finding each other. And I feel like with Jordan Peele, with doing Get Out and Us, I think even though black folk been doing this way before him, but being as though that he already have this high celebrity status of, you know, his comedy show and he's a comedian, things like that. And I guess with word of mouth when Get Out came out, it just that everybody was like, "You have to go see, you got to see, it, got to see it," and it just became this big, huge sensation. So now everybody's just like, "Oh, comparing you know their work to Jordan Peele, like the TV show Them that came out on Amazon Prime, that was comparing it to Get Out." Uh, every I feel like every time a black creator that's creating a movie now, they compare it to Jordan Peele's Get Out. Because, like you said, he gave us something that was big and mainstream, and people is making it seem like he created the whole black horror space where horror had been around for decades, you know, it's been around forever. It's just a shame that a lot of people don't talk about that. We have so many black horror classics that people are just finding out to this day that are horror fans. There's so many people that know about the exorcist and Halloween and Friday the 13th and, you know, the it's and all those movies. But when you mentioned tells from the hood, you know, or death by temptation and things like that, they're just like, what? I never heard of that. And it's just like, yo, you're missing out on something amazing. Like if, if those movies were to come out today, I'm sure they would have the same success with get out as get out has. But um, I just think that, people just don't dig that far or care to learn the history of, you know, as far as black horror being out from back in the day up until this point. That's a really interesting point because 
and, and another reason why I'm just glad to have you here is because I'm one of those people who, you know, I'm, I'm not into horror movies. Like that's not the first thing that I'm searching for as a Netflix category, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm one of those, like, I'm a little scared to watch, but I'll watch cause I'm just a little curious depending right. depending on what it is <laughs> right depending depending on what it is so um and that's I'm the thing with... too like you said depending on what it is where people always think oh horror you, it has to be blood gut so you think of slasher movies like halloween mm-hmm. michael myers friday 13th jason and freddy Krueger. but there's so much more in horror you know it's more than just slasher you have your possession which might be too much for you because demonic shit could be a little cuckoo bananas you know Emily yeah. Rose. <laughs> but then yeah Emily, Emily Rose, Rose. Which, yeah I seen that in high school and that movie took me out of here uh <laughs> and, but there's also it was a good movie horror. though I think. oh it was amazing it was amazing I love that movie so much it was mm-hmm. so good ladies and gentlemen of the jury as you know by now my name is Aaron Bruner and I represent the defendant Richard Moore Mr. Thomas has contended that Emily Rose suffered from a serious medical condition that required medical treatment, nothing more. He has asserted that any attempt by my client to help Emily by anything other than medical means was not only inappropriate, but criminally negligent. I'm now going to ask that you keep an open mind to what our evidence and testimony will show. Medical treatment was not the answer for Emily because she simply did not suffer from a medical condition. She was neither epileptic nor psychotic. Emily Rose's condition, in fact, was demonic possession, and exorcism was her only hope for a cure. Some of you may find yourself unable to reconcile Emily's beliefs or those of the defendant with your own. You may not believe demons exist. You won't have to. Because you will see that after the utter failure of the doctors to help Emily, Father Moore simply tried to help Emily in a different way, using an approach that he, Emily, and her family firmly believed was her only chance for relief. And we will show that despite his greatest efforts and his sincere love for Emily, there was absolutely nothing Father Richard Moore could have done to prevent the death of Emily Rose. That movie was scary, but it did so little what they did on screen as far as like possession stuff. You just see some off the wall, crazy demonic possession stuff, but it was kind of kept light. You didn't see anything like The Exorcist where you got heads turning and vomit spewing and talking about your mother's sex cocks in hell. And peeing. Yeah, like (laughs) and peeing on the floor, (laughs) urinating. Like you didn't get all that Emily Emily Rose. You did get some crazy stuff that you know this person is not themselves. And maybe the part where she's bending backwards. But I think outside of that. That part, yeah, yeah. That part right there when she was bending backwards because I remember that part of the movie and Emily Rose because her brother had came. She was on campus. She was in her dorm and mm-hmm. her brother had came to stay with her because he was worried about her. She was sick. And in the middle of the night when he woke up, she was just down, like bent backwards and eyes dilated and just possessed. Yeah. Right. Had me shook. 
<laughs> and see, that's something small. That right there was something mm. small. You didn't have to see blood or violence or her attacking yeah. anybody. Just seeing that image right there, like you yeah. just describing it, it just it took me back when I first seen that uh, that that part, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is wild. So there's so much more to horror, you know. It's so many different subgenres that you can get into. It. it don't always it don't always have to be about slasher and like blood and guts and things like that. There's so much more and. In today's age, like, there's so many movies that I was introduced to where I was just like, yo, that movie effed me up and I didn't see an ounce of blood. Or it was very little blood. Uh, it's just the, you know, the storyline with the movies about just even the cinematography, how the movie looks, even the music, which plays a big part in horror movies. It, I feel like mu music is a little bit more important than video, than actual seeing things, because mm -hmm. I feel like the sound effects and the music actually get your blood rush and it actually get you prepared and anticipating for the next scare. Uh, so I feel like music plays a big part and you don't need all the blood and guts to be scared. All it takes is just visual effects and music. That's all really. I agree with you hundred percent, Bobby. I think even outside of the horror genre, Mm -hmm. Music in general, I think, really sets the tone for a lot of the emotion that the director, the producers, the actors are trying to convey in a scene. Yes, exactly. I went to your YouTube channel, which is really dope. You guys should check it out. Bobby Therese with a Z. Search him <laughs> on YouTube, follow and subscribe. I think your video content is well put together and very informative. I was watching your YouTube videos and you re you recently did a review on the Candyman trailer, the new Candyman movie that's coming out. Yes. And you talked a little bit about missing the movie theater experience and that it was something that you were looking forward to uh, with the new Candyman movie that's coming out. Yes. What do you miss most about the movie theater and are you going to go see Candyman in theaters when it comes out yes i will go see, i will be seeing Candyman in theaters most definitely but what i miss most is just the atmosphere you know just walking in smelling the popcorn getting your snacks to get ready even though they can be expensive as hell i mean i will bring my own snacks if i have to but if i have enough money in the bank i would definitely splurge on some popcorn and snacks and stuff but just going just walking in and just smelling the popcorn just getting ready for the movie watching the the, the trailers that comes on before the movie and sometimes if you get the right audience and also depending on the type of movie that you're seeing uh it's a great experience like, so if you're seeing a comedy and nobody's talking throughout the movie, everybody's quiet and actually listening and watching the movie and they react to the actual funny moments that everybody else is reacting to, that's a cool experience. Same thing with horror. If you're watching a movie and nobody's on their phone or talking or hearing babies crying or whatever, and everybody's reacting to a, like, a fucked up scene in a movie all together, it makes the experience in the movie theater so much more fun. And the last time I had that movie experience was with Halloween 2018, because that was, you know, everybody's going to go see a Michael Myers movie. Like, you put Michael Myers in the movie theater, it's going to make money regardless how much the movie sucks. 
And this was a long anticipated movie because it's, you know, it's Michael Myers is getting rid of all the sequels and jumping right after from this, the first movie, you got Jamie Lee Curtis back. So that, that was a movie event that I wanted to experience in the theaters. I didn't want to watch it at home. I wanted to be in the theaters on the big screen and experience that with other people. And I was lucky enough to have a crowd um, where everybody reacted to the scenes that needed to be reacted to, but they were quiet throughout the whole movie. And I think that made the whole movie experience so much better. So I'm hoping with Candyman, when I go see that in August, I'll have those same like experiences because I'm excited for Candyman. I had to do a trailer reaction to, I, I, had, I had to do that because that was like one of my most anticipated horror movies that was supposed to come out last year, but due to, you know, the pepperoni come, you know, fucking everything up last year and partially this year. Um, I, 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 I was so, so excited to look for that movie, but I'm so happy that it's coming out in August finally. And I'm just hoping that I have the good audience there that react to the scenes that need to be reacted to. And it's a black film is a black horror film that's made by a black woman that's directed by a black woman Nia DaCosta Jordan Pill is producing it but a black woman is uh directing that movie which I'm so hype and just in all about so I can't wait to see Candyman you talked a little bit about Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> Jamie been fighting Michael Myers for how many years now <laughs> I'm telling y'all, it's going to be Michael Myers 7.0 and Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be, <laughs> be there. in a wheelchair fighting Michael Myers. I'm telling y'all. <laughs> like... All right. Well, the, uh, it's a misconception because the Halloween uh, universe is all mi mixed up. They got so many different timelines because of different creators and directors having their own vision of where uh, the story should go. And it got so like convoluted and just messed up. So... Jamie Lee Curtis, she was technically in the first, the second, and then she came back for 20 years later, H2O, and then Resurrection, but she died in the beginning. And then, you know, these two films here. So in actuality, she's been fighting home for not as long. It just seems that way just because they keep messing up the franchise. So like, for instance, when H2O came out and I think 98 or 97, I forgot one of those. Uh, it was 20 year anniversary from the original Halloween. So she came back 20 years later and she cut Michael Myers head off in that movie. And that movie made so much money where it was like, oh, well, we're going to make another Halloween. So Halloween Resurrection. Jamie Lee Curtis was like, fuck that. I'm tired of doing this franchise. I chopped his head off. Why is he back? They changed the whole narrative and they said, oh, well, uh, that wasn't him. He took uh, somebody else's clothes off and impersonated him. And he I'm just like, all right, Michael Myers don't think that much. Like, that was doing the most right there. So Jamie Lee Curtis said, all right, if I'm going to come back, I'm only doing this for a check, and I need to be killed off in the first 10 minutes of this movie. So that's why you only see her in the very beginning, and she dies. So then we get the remakes. Have, she has no part in those at all. Rob Zombie did two of the remakes and she's no part. Of, she's not a part of it. And then she comes back for 2018 and she wasn't going to come back for the new Halloween. But the only reason why is because a check, of course. And then you have some of the original people that did the first Halloween back for this one. And also she came back because they getting rid of all the sequels. So everything that happened in Halloween 2 uh three four five six even h2o when she came back originally 
they got rid of it. They were just like, it's not canon anymore. This is going to be a sequel directly right after the first movie. So Halloween 2018 is 40 years after the first movie. So she came back for that. And uh, now she's fighting home with shotguns and knives and bazookas and bombs and shit, which I think is a little extreme. But I mean, if you experience what she did in the first movie, then yeah. I mean, I have to admit the trailer looks good for the new one. Oh yeah, it looks amazing. Uh, yeah, it looks it, it looks brutal. And I'm a Halloween fan. That's my favorite Halloween movie. I mean, I said my favorite Halloween. Movie. Let me take that back. Halloween is my favorite uh, franchise, horror movie franchise. It's my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because with their first mo- movie, they did so much with so little, and it still was effective, and it was still scary. So with mm-hmm. this new one, it's going to be more brutal, and the kills is just going to be out of this world, and I just can't wait to see. I can't wait to see where they're going to take the, the movie next, because I know there's going to be one more after this one called Halloween Ends. And I think that's supposed to be the end of Jamie Lee Curtis's story, at least. So we all thinking that she's going to die <laughs> in this movie or the next movie. But we'll, we shall see. You touched a little bit on movie theater personalities. Some people like to go solo. Others like a friend or even a group. Some people need silence and they don't want to be, you know, because they don't want to miss a scene or a moment in the movie to, I mean, to the extent they may not even get up and go to the bathroom. And then you have others that don't mind talking the whole way through the movie. <laughs> those, those people annoy me. Yes. Or, or, or they're on their phone. So what would you say is your movie theater personality type? Um, Like mine's um, I'm quiet. Even when I'm home, I can see the movie maybe a hundred times and I'm still, quiet <laughs> and uh, watching it like I've never seen a movie before because um I'm just that type of person I like to dig deep I like to analyze things and maybe I'll catch something that I probably haven't caught before and then going into a movie theater is just like I need to yes analyze everything I need to hear everything I need to see everything I need to I just need to be in the damn movie and when people talk yes. I just get so annoyed because i'm a person where when i'm watching a movie especially if i'm like super hyped about like a candy man or halloween i'm going to need everybody to shut the hell up i'm going to and i think that's what i'm scared the most of is i might get that crowd that just going to talk all the way through and it's just going to be an unpleasant experience so i'm trying to uh plan my my visit to the movie theater for both of those movies wisely i don't want to see it in early in the morning i don't want to see it in the afternoon i want to see it at night because i mean who wants to see a horror movie early in the day you want to see it at night but the only problem is everybody is thinking the same way so the theaters is going to be packed so i don't know i'm low-key wishing that theaters still do the social distancing thing and kind of keep the 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 seating limited so you won't have a big, big as a crowd. And then the lesser the crowd, the more possibility of you getting those people that's going to interrupt during a movie. So unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to have a packed theater, but we shall say it. I'm hoping that we get silence because I'm that guy. I, I like to sit there quietly, react to the scenes that need to be reacted to. And yeah. 
so I'm I I am also the the theater personality type that just needs to sit, be silent, and I want to enjoy the movie for real. Yeah, I mean, like you paid for this, so you want that experience. Like, why I don't understand the people that pay money to see a movie and like talk throughout it or bring their baby and like grand and understand that <laughs> it's hard to find babysitters and things like that. But I don't know. Like, if you truly want to see this movie, you will find somebody that will watch your kid. Or just wait. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, I'm sorry, that's part of being a parent, you know? Like, you would have to sacrifice something. So maybe you should wait to watch it at home if you can't get a babysitter, you know? Like, I would be that guy if I had a kid just because I don't want to ruin anybody else's experience. So I feel like that's selfish in a way, you know what I mean? Like, if I was there by myself and I ran out of movie theater, that's a different story. But you know a whole bunch of people is going to be there and you got a child with you that you know what possibly act up. Like, come on, you're being selfish because you're ruining the experience for everybody else. So I rather just hopefully pray and just hope that I have a uh, a nice audience <laughs> theater experience because people mm-hmm. are crazy i feel like we all have our movie theaters like we know which one to go to when we want to have that peace yeah we know which ones not yes. to go to <laughs> yes oh my gosh there's so many like i would go to one if it's the movie like a movie i don't really care too much about but like i still want to see it but it's not something that i'm like yearning for i would just go to like the movie theater that's close by that's kind of like a little you know a little ratchet but whatever like it's okay but for a serious movie that i'm anticipating i'm going to go to that movie theater where i know is like less problematic and i had good experiences there and yeah so i'm definitely going to be doing that with Candyman and halloween when that come out i'm sorry we know about the mike myers the the freddy the jason we know about Scream. We know about cult classics like Psycho. But there's so much more out there. And that's a part of what you do on your platform is you highlight the mainstream, like the ones I just mentioned, but you also highlight those indie movies, those low-budget horror movies that are out there. Can you talk about the variations in genres? I'm happy that you mentioned it because there is so many uh you know, things to heart. Like, like I said earlier in the episode, heart is just so much more than blood and guts and gore, like, and just these slasher movie villains that we see, you know, all over the place. There's so much more to it. There's different subgenres. So now when I go on podcasts and I get the question a lot, what is your favorite subgenre? Which is, it could be like zombie horror or vampire horror or possession horror. It's like so many that more you know that goes along with horror and i just wish people understood that more because a lot of people especially a lot of black people that i know they're like oh i love horror too i'm like all right cool what is your favorite scary movie and i occasionally get but not even occasionally i i always get let me take that back i always get again your freddies your michael myers your jasons and that's fine you know what i mean because a lot of it is nostalgia a lot of us grew up on that but I want people to know there's so much more to horror. Like we have so many different horror movies out there that's just as scary, if not scarier. And I just wish they known that. So a part of my platform is, yes, I do highlight that stuff. But when I do get an opportunity to review a movie that people don't know too much about, that's 
being made today or it got made last year or two years or five or 10 years ago, I try to, uh, you know, review it and maybe put it out there for people to know. And don't get me wrong, like true horror fans would know those movies just because they are, you know, they're super horror fans like myself and they look for anything that's hard. But for the general, I just want people to do a little bit more research as far as different horror movies out there because there's so much and for the people that do seek different horror they always say that it's corny oh i didn't like it i didn't understand it i didn't get it i don't i shouldn't have to use my brain to watch a horror film i shouldn't have to keep thinking to watch a horror film so that's the problem with i guess us jordan pills us a lot of people for one uh had very mixed reactions with because it wasn't like get out which jordan pill you know publicly stated like this is not get out at all it's nothing like it but people are upset with that film because yes it is a slasher film i consider it a slasher film but it also have you using your brain and thinking a little bit there's so much to go into the movie us even with get out but i think get out was a little bit more like in your face so you kind of understood it you didn't have to think about subliminal messages with us it does have that and i love that because most people do watch hard to get away from reality and you know much like myself i do it to get away from reality and just to have fun but you can still have fun and still have like think pieces in horror you know what i mean i think that makes it even more fun i literally did when us came out i literally did like two videos reviewing it myself and i brought my best friend on and we literally reviewed the movie and went back and forth talking about our thoughts on the movie and what we thought like this symbolism meant and this metaphor meant and it was fun like i had a good time talking about stuff like that because it can be just left in the air and it sometimes that makes the movie even a little bit more scarier because it's like damn if this is what it is in my head that's really fucked up and it could not be that way at all you know maybe jordan pill wanted to go a whole different route but he left it up to your imagination of where it should go and sometimes he may keep it to himself and like, hey, like, I know what it actually means, but I'm gonna let you figure it out for yourself. So there's so much to go into horror, like, and I can suggest like a few movies that I want people to watch that I feel like are really, really good movies. And uh, a lot of people just don't talk about them enough. A lot of people in the horror community do, but I really want people that's not into horror as much, but still experience it to get into the lesser knowns or the ones that are not slashers just to see the difference and to maybe even enjoy and have a good time. And that might be their, I guess, gateway hard to other psychological or, you know, social commentary type of films, you know? So yeah, there's so much more to horror than what we actually see on screen nowadays. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, uh, zombie horror as um as one of those alternatives and mm -hmm. i want to say that i'm a big fan of the walking dead <laughs> okay yes i was I, too up until season four or five and i just lost track oh, <laughs> so you way mm -hmm. back <laughs> i am and you know what i occasionally like check up like when it's on mm -hmm. i occasionally see what the hell's going on see if i see some of the same people uh, but I do read up on it. Don't get me wrong. I still keep up with news and I hear other people talk about it. Um, I'm just like not watching the show anymore just because I lost track. And it was one point where I felt like um, I just lost interest in it. Uh, yeah, it's one it of those shows. Good. Yeah. 
it's definitely one of those shows where you got to keep up with the storyline and the characters. And, you know, as a fan of the show and other, sh- other, other people that I know that is a fan of The Walking Dead, it's painful to watch the characters that you love be killed or die. Oh, yes. Um, and, and The Walking Dead will absolutely put you through that trauma. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen a couple that die. Um, I remember Glenn's death when the walking dead and when you know the whole bad thing and a lot of people yes and a lot of people were upset because it was just like this was not done tastefully it was done like it was graphic and i said i feel like yeah you're right it is not tasteful death but i think since glenn been on the show for a while they want you to feel that experience of like losing somebody hard and i know they could have done that his wife did yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know they could have done that differently, you know, but I think at that time they really wanted to hit there and they really wanted to like get under your skin. And I and when they showed that, I was just like, Whoa, I was not expecting that, especially for a show that's on AMC. <laughs> so I'm just like, What? But um yeah, it was wild. It was it it, it was a wild time <laughs> watching that and I couldn't believe it either. And I'm into stuff like that, but even I was just like, I'm not used to this. If this was a type of show that this happened often, then I'd be like, all right, this ain't nothing. But I wasn't like I wasn't expecting it at all, you know? So I think everybody was caught by surprise when that happened. And I think that's why everybody was upset because they didn't expect it to be that graphic. So you talked a little bit about Jordan Peele. You talked about his movies, Get Out and Us. So I, I just want to, you know, get my opinion on those movies. So Get Out, I I want to say that with that movie, I didn't, I did like the idea of Jordan giving us this plot, this setting of being stuck in this white world that you just can't get out of. Or you find yourself in that world and, you, and you're so desperately trying to get out of it and you're also trying to convince other Black folks that you see have already been warped into it. You're trying to convince them also to come with you. And I just thought it was an interesting take on racism and white supremacy as we um, experience it mm-hmm. um, here in America, here in society and you know at work and in our social spaces. I thought that his take on it was really interesting with Get Out. And that was one of the things that I appreciated about it. Mm-hmm. With us, I liked his use of a doppelganger and how mm-hmm. they were this underground, almost like this suppressed society that has come back to seek revenge and take back what they feel is rightfully theirs. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah, that. Great. And the music, I mean, oh, in, yes. in, in his movies is always good. Um, and how he kind of remixes and brings <laughs> in movies that are for us, by us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we we all enjoy that. I'm happy that we got his work. I mean, I'm happy that we have people like him putting in the work. Because there's so many Black horror films, like I mentioned earlier, that's great. It just never got that opportunity to shine big like get out and us so maybe that's why a lot of people don't know about them just because it wasn't maybe out there in the public for the general to like view and see you know which is wow uh but if you really dig deep into it or when you were younger you went to your local video store vhs's were a big thing and you probably seen a bunch of vhs 
uh, made by <laughs> black directors and stuff like that movies um, there. And if he was also like a cover person, because I used to judge a movie by its cover most of the time, um, I was like, yo, that cover looks cool. And I would buy it. Well, not buy it, but rent it just for that. And there's a movie called Demon Knight, Tells from the Hood, Demon Knight, that stars Jada Pickett. Um, and I didn't know it was directed by a black man, Ernest Dickerson, up until I think maybe five, six, maybe seven years ago, which I'm upset about, uh, upset at myself about, because I'm like, why didn't I know that this was created by, well, directed by a black man that also did the movie Bones with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. And it's crazy because Jada Pickett is a black final girl. We're so used to seeing white women running from the killer and end up, ending up, you know, making it to the end and becoming the ultimate final girl. You got your Sydney Prescott's, Laurie Strode's and all of them. And Jada Pickett, people don't talk about her enough, but she battled fucking devils and demons all by herself. Well, she had people, but she made it up into the end. She felt smart and she she did her thing in that movie. And people don't talk about her enough. If people don't talk about that movie enough which is amazing and to have a black woman who was originally supposed to be a white woman but ernest dickerson was like no i need a black woman to play this role and i want jada pickett which was amazing i'm so happy he made that choice so shout out to jada pinkett smith yes yes yeah she was doing her she was doing her thing in the 90s she was in scream 2 as well and unfortunately mm-hmm. she was one of the people that died <laughs> in the beginning in but, the movie theater in the movie theater (laughs) (laughs) but you know she made up for it in um demon night where she became the ultimate final girl and she was amazing and i wish more people just talk about those movies like they're Mm -hmm. great and going back to it if those movies were made today and released in the theaters i feel like they would do so well now because horror um and different types of horror are now being introduced to uh, a, a new generation of people, of kids that's into horror and stuff now. And they might say some of the stuff is dated or wet because it did come back out on the day. But I feel like if a Demon Knight did come out today and they put a spin on it as far as using like, you know, social media and just made it more modern, I feel like it would do absolutely amazing. Uh, so yes, Jordan Pill, sorry to go off track a little bit, but Jordan Pill, he, he is that guy that made everything much bigger on what it is now but there's so many people out there that did stuff before home that i wish got the credit so i just hope from here on out that you know us black folk start creating more horror and come out the shell and kind of don't don't make it seem like horror is a bad thing or if you want to create a movie but it's horror but you're not going to do it so you're going to do a comedy or action because you feel like horror is not about it no do that horror because we need more black people in horror to make these movies we need it you know and eventually i feel like i want to direct or write a movie like i got a few ideas but uh we'll see what happens with that but i feel like you know jordan pill is giving everybody that that you know that space like all right if he can do it i can do it too which is amazing and i just wanted to keep going 
for those of you that are listening and you're wondering, well, what are those other movies and series that are out there that are written for us and by us, but fall into the horror genre? If you're interested or you want to know about where you can find that, make sure you follow Bobby Torres on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check out his video content. He gives you really dope uh, feedback and recommendations on the horror movies that are out there in different genres. So make sure you follow Bobby and support him. Yes. And I just want to say too, like I recently for, uh, I think it was in March or April. I did like <laughs> top, I think I did like a top eight kick-ass black women in horror, which is dope. I had so much fun doing because a lot of people didn't realize that, you know, black women in horror actually be doing their thing and kicking ass. And a lot of them actually make it to the end. And I think a majority of the women in my list made it to the end. Um, and they don't get the credit that they deserve as well. So I want people to definitely check out that video. It was so much fun, and I feel like they would have a good time. And also, real quick, I'm not too sure we're about to go yet, but I want people to check out the horror documentary, Horror Noir, because, again, a lot of people don't know too much about Black horror or the history of it. And Horror Noir is a, a history of Black horror documentary where they actually go, you know, decades pretty much a whole century uh, talking about, you know, black horror where us people were used as villains, made fun of, and, you know, used in that aspect of us being the villains of horror, like being the villains and things like that, where it got, and they talk about that up into the point of Jordan Peele, where you actually have a horror uh, protagonist that actually make it to the end and actually, used in a good light and not necessarily used in a bad light. Horror Noir is such an amazing documentary. They talk about all the movies that I mentioned, like Demon Knight, Tales from the Hood. Uh, they have some of the most like amazing actresses and actors in there. You got Rachel True from The Craft. Uh, you have Keith David that was on The Thing, who was, is a black man that made it to the end of that movie as well. Um, Tony Todd, who plays Candyman. So there's so much information in horror noir that I really want people to watch so they can stop saying that Jordan Peele, <laughs> like, made, you know, Black Horror or, try, you know, he he made what Black Horror is today. Because this documentary here would literally educate you and let you know there's so much more to horror. There's so many other horror directors out there that actually, you know, walk so Jordan Peele can run. And... He's actually on here too, given a, uh, a interview. But Har Noir is such an amazing documentary. I really want everybody to watch it. You can find it on Shutter if you own a Shutter, which is a horror streaming service, or you can watch it on Amazon Prime. You probably could rent it on there. Um, and if you can't, then you could probably even watch the trailer on YouTube to see what it's about. Just a quick, a quick uh, view of it. It's very informative, and I really, really want everybody to watch it because I feel like it's very informational. That was the documentary when me and you first met and we were talking about the possibility of having this conversation. You recommended that I should check out that documentary directed by Xavier Bergen and was released in 2019. Yes. When you told me about the documentary and what it talked about, you know, unpacking racism in horror movie genre, I thought to myself and I said to you, I was like, wait, there's racism in horror? Like, I... I 
I knew that there was racism everywhere, <laughs> but <laughs> damn, we got racism and horror. And you was yes. just like, yeah, we got racism <laughs> and horror. And that's what the documentary explores. One of the, one of the main themes that mm-hmm. the documentary explores. So I actually checked it out. The full documentary is also on YouTube. In addition oh, wow. to the the places that you just mentioned a moment ago. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Well, yes, yes. check it out on YouTube. <laughs> Check it out on YouTube for free, and um, I, th- I think it was a little bit over an hour. Mm-hmm. The documentary opens up with this quote. The quote is, we've always loved horror. It's just that horror, unfortunately, hasn't always loved us. And I want to ask you, Bobby, do you agree with that statement? And if so, why? Um, yes, I agree. Uh Kind of going back to reasons why I did the YouTube thing where I feel like um, there's not many of us. And if there is, we have to go digging because you see a lot more white creators just because not even just because the algorithm, but there's people out there that probably, you know, are more, I guess they probably can relate to another white person because I feel like the white community is more of a they accept horror more than black folk, I should say. Um, not saying that's the case all the time, but I feel like in general it is. So I feel like it goes, it, it it's like that in our movies as well. In our movies, the documentary talk about, you know, it's rare that we're the lead in the movie. We're always playing a, the, the best friend or the supporting role or with the documentary talk about a couple of times, the sacrificial Negro, where we sacrifice ourselves for the white person in a movie, which is unnecessary. There's so many times in movies where the black person would sacrifice themselves just so that, you know, their white best friend can live. Even if they barely know the person, uh, everybody brings up the movie Annabelle, the first one where Alfre Wood- Wooder, she jumps out the window with the damn doll and sacrifices herself pretty much for no reason. Why did you do that? You know what I mean? Why did they write that character to commit suicide to protect this family that she barely know? Uh, a lot of people don't talk about this as much, but Kelly Rowland and Freddy versus Jason. That girl could have survived and Freddy versus Jason. But as Freddy is about to shank up those two white people, she inter- you know, she intervened and she challenged Freddy and then it led to Jason killing her. So she pretty much sacrificed herself. And also going back to Rachel True from The Craft, where she talked about her experience on that movie about uh, how the witches in that movie, they all deal with their own personal issues. Like you got Nancy being Truller, part trash. You got Neff Campbell character. Uh, she's dealing with scars. You got Sarah, who's the new girl in town. And she's, you know, dealing with these girls and, you know, being, you know, just with rumors and stuff going around. Rachel True issue was racism why is that an issue why couldn't her why can't she have a problem with her skin why couldn't she have a problem with you know being obese or too skinny and like you know what i mean like why common stuff that people can relate to and i'm not saying people can't relate to being you know being called the n-word but why that necessarily have to be a problem so i absolutely agree with that statement because in horror why do we always have to be these things in these movies why can't we just be like that you know the final boy or girl with these ordinary issues our problems is always sacrificing ourselves for our friends and you know it always have to deal with racism and it just it sucks and even in the beginning of the uh the documentary to talk about uh 
using black people as villains. They made a reference towards uh, King Kong and how they compare a black man to the ape and stuff like that. And even with Candyman, how he's infatuated with this white woman and he's killing all the black people in this community to get to this white woman. And Candyman is an African-American. So it's, and I'm not taking anything from Candyman because that's also one of my favorite horror movies, but it's just why do horror have to go that route to, you know, to tell a black story or not even just tell a black story, but to, for representation in general, not all of us go through any of that stuff. Not all of us deal with that type of things. Like we deal with ordinary shit too. So I know that's a long answer, but (laughs) yeah, I absolutely agree with that statement. What are the different drivers and motivations uh, that drive people to horror movies, horror genre? What are are the different things that people are looking to get out of that experience? They just want to see something just scary. Um, People just want to be scared. They want to feel what uh, the characters are going through. Uh, on the screen like Saul and Hostel where those are more like torture horror movies and those a lot of people are drawn to those because they know they expect what's going to happen and they go for that cringe for you know the torture they know what's going to happen without knowing what's going to happen and what I mean by that is they know this person's going to be tortured they know they know that blood and guts or something's going to be involved they know this person's going to get killed they just don't know how in what way how it's going to happen and what way it's going to happen so i think a lot of people is kind of like going into those type of movies expecting certain things but not knowing how because they want to feel that rush like that adrenaline rush like i get that natural high watching scary movies in general but for movies like that i feel like a lot of people love because they want to see gross things like that for me, I used to be into that stuff when I was in high school up into my early 20s. I still am into that stuff, but not as much just because that stuff don't really affect me as much as it used to. Maybe I'm desensitized now <laughs> because I see so much of it. But I feel like in horror in general, not just with torture, I think people just people just want that that rush. They want to escape from the real life for a moment like everybody and just experience uh the chills the thrills the violence that's occurring on the screen they just want to be scared and i think that's another reason why a lot of people love the conjuring films just because those movies have a lot of jump scares in it and jump scares can be effective or non-effective uh same thing with paranormal activity where they got those fake outs where you got you know it's quiet for a moment you got the person walking through the hallway and all of a sudden they turn around and it's the damn cat, but you, the music intensify things and make that like loud noise and you jump because that's what the music does. And then you react into how the person react, but the payoff is, it's just a fucking cat. <laughs> it's nothing actually scary. And some people may get upset by that, or some people might actually like that. They like to feel scared. They like to, they like to feel that again, that adrenaline rush of being scared rather that they actually get, that monster mm-hmm. when they turn around or if it's just a fake out. So yeah. I think a lot of people love that. To wrap up this conversation, tell me and tell the listeners, what do you hope people get 
from horror? I want people to get, um, I want them to walk out with an experience, maybe learn something. Um, some movies are not all campy and funny and stuff. Cause I mean, there are movies that's just made to be like that, you know, not to be taken serious, but there are some horror movies that actually, this may sound weird, but you know, in a car community, there's a thing where we say we got like our comfort horror film. What is a movie that you can put on the background while cleaning, um, doing errands, or even before bed, you put this movie on every night before bed and it's hard. And it's crazy because I did things like that all the time as a kid. I used to put on Halloween every night before bed. People used to think, you know, think I was crazy for doing that. And I think it's a comfort horror film for me. It was, you know, people was like, well, why don't you put on a comedy or, you know, something? I'm just like, well, I like how, like, I love Halloween. Again, it's my favorite. I like how it made me feel. I, 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 I know, I love that movie so much where I know all the words and shit to it. So it, it's a comfort thing to me. I know what's going to happen so I can go to sleep. I don't have to wake up and just like, oh, well, I need to know what's going to happen while listening to it before going to bed. Like, I know this movie from the back of my hand. So it's weird, but that's something that a lot of people do. You know, you, you got comfort horror films. So I just want people to just dig deep into horror more, learn from it, expand their horizons when it comes to horror. Because like you said in the beginning of this video, there's so much more to it. There's so much to experience. There's horror for everybody, I believe. Even if you say horror is not for you and it's not your thing, if you look hard enough or talk to the right people or ask for suggestions and I ask you, or even like me, like when people ask me certain things, I'll ask them questions back like, oh, well, what type of horror are you looking for? What are you more into? Are you more into comedic horror? Are you more into torture? Are you more into, I ask those type of questions so I can give you the right type of movie. Because if I just suggest a movie that I love, but you may hate because it's not your type of thing, then it's not really, I'm not really doing anything to help you out. But I try to ask people questions when they're looking for a horror where it's not going to you know destroy their experience uh and if they like that movie then i have another suggestion that where it's like that so kind of like a netflix <laughs> it's just like hey you watch this movie you might be interested in this one um so i just want people to just expand your horizons check out different horror movies because there's some out there for everybody you might find that one movie that you're comfortable with that you watch all the time that you might love you might even build experiences off because you might connect with a character on here you might watch it with you might watch that movie with somebody where that might become a memory horror is just a fun great amazing experience and i have a friend named ivory trees littles she called herself the oprah of horror she's amazing she does so many celebrity interviews she's a huge horror fan she's amazing and she got a, a tagline called horror is life and it is you know what i mean whether that is about horror movies what we personally go through because we all go through our own uh horror experiences whether that we like it or not we all dealt with some type of craziness trauma or whatever um, that might be considered as horror. I feel like every human being on this earth can write their own horror movie if they wanted to based on their life or what they experience. So I feel like with all these creators out there, there's horror movies out there for everybody. So I just want people just to give it a chance, give, give horror a chance and just, you know, find something that they may like and enjoy and, you know, have a good time with it. It's so much fun. I like that. Give horror a chance. That's yeah. 
that that should probably go on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. The Bobby Therese Horror Video Content Creator. Thank you so much for being here and coming on to the Hung Up Podcast. Remind us, where can people find you and how can we support you? Well, I just want to say before I give all of that, thank you for having me on here again. And I know your show don't normally talk about things like this, but you you are giving horror a chance, my dude. <laughs> You're giving horror a chance just by having me on here and talking about this. And this is great. I, I really appreciate it because it's rare that I'm invited onto somebody's non-horror podcast or YouTube or whatever it is to talk about something that they're not really interested in or they're interested in. They just don't really talk about it. It's very weird. I'm invited on a platform like that. And I just want to say thank you for having me on here. It was a great time, my friend. And um, thank you for giving me and horror a chance to be on your your platform here on Hung Up. Yes. And for everybody, uh, you can find me, Bobby Torres, on Twitter and Instagram, and my YouTube channel, Bobby Likes It Spooky, on YouTube, and also Bobby Likes It Spooky on Instagram as well. Make sure you all support Bobby. Thank you, Bobby, for being here. I'm hung up. <laughs> I'm hung up on YouTube. Thank you. <laughs>I really enjoyed that conversation and I hope y'all did too. Thank you, Bobby, for coming through. I'm hung up. This week, I'm also hung up on MJ Rodriguez. MJ Rodriguez is officially an Emmy-nominated actress, y'all. So last week, she was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series for her role as Mother Blanca, as we know her, Evangelista on Pose. Honestly, I'm really sad that the show went away because the entire cast was obviously committed to their role, committed to their character, the script. Yes, that is how good the show was. And this is the kind of representation that we desperately need more of. So I'm hung up. Speaking of black women doing their thing on the big screen... Make sure you keep your eye on Miss Angela Bassett. Mother is busy. Gunpowder Milkshake is out right now. Just came out this month. I believe it's on Netflix where she's kicking ass. And don't forget, Wakanda Forever is coming out in 2022. Mission Impossible 7 is also coming out in 2022 where she's starring in both. So keep your eye on Miss Bassett. My last and final hug up goes to Miss Bianca Chambers of Detroit. And I'm going to close this episode out with Miss Bianca because she she really had time for all y'all last week. And Bianca fired several warning shots at anybody who's out here thinking that they're going to steal somebody's car. I'm hung up. <laughs> I'll see y'all next week. Peace. Bianca Chambers is her name you're about to see. She's no joke at all, calling police each time, police arriving each time, each time she saw this uh, stolen white Mercedes-Benz. She tracked it for three days, found it again, found the person driving it, which led to this wild confrontation. Excuse me, you got that Benz out there? Yes, you do.
You are watching Bianca Chambers surprising and then getting physical with the teen who Chambers saw driving this stolen white Mercedes, her boyfriend's white Mercedes that she drives before it was stolen from the shops at 8 Mile and Woodward on Monday. Chambers tracked the car and the teen down like a veteran detective. You're the dumbest criminal of all. I'm the wrong one. I was going to find you. You're a thief. A thief.